0: Hebrews 11 and reading in verse 23, it says, By faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since he was looking ahead to the reward. Let's praise. We receive from the Word today, Father. Thank you for your Word. We ask you that you would open our eyes to the wonders of it, incline our ear to what you would say today. I thank you, Lord, that as we hear it, uh, faith grows inside of us. That faith comes by hearing your Word, and I thank you that we will be able to respond. In faith, as we've been reading about each one of these individuals that heard your word, responded in faith, that were found faithful in their life on this earth, uh, that the same will be able to be said of us. And I thank you for your great grace today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking here in Hebrews 11. About living by faith as we continue our series, there going from Hebrews 11 1 all the way down to where we find ourselves today. And some of the things that we've seen and learned and understood about faith is first that it's necessary. Faith is necessary. Hebrews 10 tells us don't cast away our confidence because it has great reward. It tells us that we shouldn't be like those that draw back. And are destroyed, but like those who have faith and are saved. So we see it as necessary, as needed. It is how we see the truth. It's how we see as He sees. Faith is a divinely imparted ability from God for you to see, to trust, to endure with confidence, and to be truly and fully alive in him, with him, both now and forever. And so today we see that by faith, Moses. Now Moses, uh, one of the biggest figures, uh, not physically, but just his standing in the Old Testament, one of the most well-known, one of the most discussed uh, in the Old Testament, right up there with Abraham. And we remember how we got to Moses, right? We saw Abraham first called out of uh, idolatry, told to come out from among his family, his father's house and the land he was in to the land that God would show him. And we also know that he made him a promise. He made him a man who had no children, whose wife was barren, that they would be the Parents that he would be the father of many nations, that his descendants would be as numerous as the sands of the seashore or the stars of the sky. And we saw God begin to bring that about when Isaac was born. We met Isaac when Abraham was asked to offer him up on the altar to God. And then we saw him again last week when he blessed his sons, Jacob and Esau there in his old age, passing down the promise to Jacob, who had many children, one of them, Joseph. We told the story of Joseph last week and how they ended up in Egypt where first Jacob died and then Joseph died there in Egypt. I'm going to flip back because I want to read that last part of Genesis 50 before we get over into Exodus 1. It said, Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will certainly come to your aid and bring you up from this land to the land he swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Joseph made the sons of Israel take an oath. When God comes to your aid, you're to carry my bones up from here. But we know that the children of Israel, of Jacob, were there in Egypt. And it tells us in Exodus that they were fruitful. They increased rapidly. They multiplied in their number so numerous that the land was filled with them. God had blessed them. Amen. And they began to grow as a nation, even inside the nation of Egypt. But then it tells us in verse eight of Exodus one, that a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power and he said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we are. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise they will multiply further. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they saw the Israelites as a threat. They said, there's more of them now than there is of us. We have to what deal harshly with them. Otherwise they'll turn against us and we'll lose everything. It said a king rose up that didn't know Joseph that hadn't lived under when he had saved that whole area from starvation by the word of the Lord. And he began to deal harshly with the Israelites. Some of the things he told them to do was enslave them, oppress them, deal harshly with them. But that wasn't enough. They continued to to grow and multiply. And then so then he told the Hebrew midwives, "When when a boy is born, I want you to kill him. Let a girl live, but if a boy is born, I want you to kill him. But the Israelite midwives, fearing the Lord and not the king, didn't do what he asked them to do. So finally he gave an edict to his whole nation and said, If you see an Israelite boy born, kill him, throw him in the Nile River and drown him. And it was into this moment that Moses was born. It was at this moment that he was born into a family of Israelites living in Egypt. And again, he is one of the most well-known. He is one of the few that we see from his birth to his death in Scripture. We have his whole life laid out before us. I found a quote as I was studying uh, on Moses that I thought I would read. It said the life of Moses presents a striking series of antitheses or opposites. He was the child of a slave and the son of a queen. He was born in a hut and lived in a palace. He inherited poverty and enjoyed unlimited wealth. He was the leader of armies and the keeper of sheep. He was the mightiest of warriors and the meekest of men. He was educated in the court and dwelt in the desert. He had the wisdom of Egypt and the faith of a child. He was fitted for the city and wandered in the wilderness. He was tempted with the pleasures of sin and endured the hardships of virtue. He was backwards in speech and talked with God. He had the rod of a shepherd and the power of the infinite. He was a fugitive from Pharaoh and an ambassador from heaven. He was the recipient of the law and the forerunner of grace. He died alone on Mount Moab and appeared with Christ in Judea. No man assisted at his funeral, yet God buried him. Very interesting figure in the figure of Moses. And we're going to learn a little bit about the faith in his life. And it comes first, not his faith at first, but the faith of his Parents. Because in Exodus 2, it gives a brief account of his birth. And Hebrews 11, again, like we read earlier, refers us to this event here. Hebrews 11, I might have to flip back and forth from the front to the back today, aren't I? That's okay. Hebrews eleven twenty three. 23, by faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. And we see in Exodus two and verse one. Now, a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen. Again, he's born into this moment where Pharaoh is killing all of the Hebrew boys to try and cripple God's nation, God's people. It said his mother, when he was born, saw that he was beautiful and she hid him for three months, that she treasured him, that she stored him up, that she protected him. Why? Knowing that there was an order out to kill him. That that was the king's edict is that this boy would die. She hid him after she saw that he was beautiful. The word there in the Hebrew is tov, which is the same word used when God created the world and saw that it was good. She saw that Moses was good, not just a, be- not just a handsome baby, but that there was something special about him. She could see it and knew that his life needed to be Preserved. And it said by faith in Hebrews 11 that they hid him because they saw he was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. So you can see just in that short sentence, which is what we're going to cover today, all the things that faith accomplished. Faith affects what we view as beautiful. Faith, when we see with eyes of faith, when we see as God sees, it affects what we view as Beautiful. It affects what we fear. Faith affects what we fear or what we respect above all else. And faith acts in response to the beauty and the fear. They saw that he was beautiful, valuable, important. And they didn't fear the king's edict. What did they fear instead? They feared God Almighty. This baby is from God Almighty. I cannot do to him what they are declaring must be done to him. I fear the Lord more than that. And then she acted based out of those two things. The beauty had been reordered by faith and the fear had been reordered by faith. Because when we start to see clearly, we see what is really beautiful in life and who should really be feared in awe and respect be obeyed. Amen. Faith acts. It reminded me of Psalm 119, where it says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word that I see as beautiful, valuable, important, that to be treasured so that I might not sin against you, God, who I consider to be utmost in authority. Faith opens our eyes so that we can see. Clearly, And that we can discern the difference between the truth and the lie. That we can see the difference between true beauty and guile or deception. And again, as the psalmist said, he said, I've seen the beauty of your word, the great value of it. And I've hidden it away, treasured it in my heart, close to me. So that when I'm tempted to walk in the old ways, I will always hold you higher. In respect, in authority. And when I'm going to obey somebody, if there's a difference in what the masters are saying, that I'm going to obey you. I hold you higher. And we're reminded when it says they did this by faith, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. They had to have heard something. Because by faith they hid him, seeing that he was beautiful or good and didn't fear the king's edict. They had heard something somehow to do what it was that they did for three months. Three months hiding a newborn baby every day, making it a decision. Every day, making a decision that they were going to defy the king's edict and by faith continue to hide this newborn, not giving in to what the world was saying had to be, needed to be done, but listening instead to what God had said to them. And it's very likely, I don't know, but it's very likely that they did this every day, not knowing how it was going to be resolved. They hid this baby for three months, every day, not knowing how it was going to be resolved, how God was going to work it out. And they didn't have to know. We don't have to know. The Lord knows. We don't have to know when the Lord knows and I'm listening to him. You've, you've probably had, even if it was different, a similar experience where you just felt like, Lord, I'm holding on to this. This word, this person, this thing, this path that you've put me on. I'm holding on to it every day. I'm making the decision. I can't see at the end of the road how you're going to resolve this. I can't see what this is going to end up like. But I do know as much as I know my own name that I'm supposed to hold on to this today. For another day, I'm supposed to hold on. And that is where they found Themselves because you told me to do it. Because again, I know it as I know my own name. I'm going to hide this baby every day for three months. This lady, her husband, every day making that decision. It said, by faith, they hid him because he was beautiful, not fearing the king's edict. It's implied in Exodus and told to us explicitly in Hebrews that they did this because they weren't afraid of the king. They saw as what God said was more important. And the writer of Hebrews will say it twice. When we get on down to verse 27, he talks about this, not fearing the King saying above everything, above all else. If you're a believer that you're a follower of Christ, that you never fear man, that you never respect honor and follow man more than you follow and fear God. Now you can read the scripture. We're commanded to respect authorities. We're commanded to obey. But it's a qualified obedience. It's a qualified obedience. When the word of the Lord and the edict of the king contrast with one another, when the edict of the king means that my compliance with it would compel me to disobey a command or a precept of God, I have to reject it. Because above all, I'm a follower of God. And the parents of this baby boy saw his beauty, his value, and his worth, and they put their lives on the line and had faith that the Lord would come through. And he did. He did come through, but with a very strange instruction. When we look at what she did next, Which you saw that, as we read it earlier, when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Now, what she does is so contrary to human thought and to common sense that God must have told her something about it. Either that or she was just insane. Why else a baby that you've been protecting, would you put in the water where he would likely, even potentially, drown? Something that was so contrary to human thought. But see, Hebrews says that she did it by faith, so it can't have been an insanity defense. It must have been from the Lord. Do this with this child. When she had hid him, she trusted the Lord. And when she couldn't hide him anymore, she still trusted the Lord. You know, a three-month-old, once they get to be about that big, they start kicking up a little bit. They're a little bit louder. You can't keep a three-month-old and getting bigger hidden when there's not supposed to be a baby crying in the house. When there's not supposed to be a child around here. And so she took this baby and got a papyrus basket. And put him in it and covered it, sealed the outside with asphalt and pitch so that it wouldn't just sink right away. But, you know, it's going to sink in a little bit. It wouldn't sink right away. And then she puts it in the water. Again, the last spot that reason would suggest if we're going to put him anywhere where he might be safe outside this house, the water is the absolute last spot you would pick. This is where Hebrew boys went to drown. This is where many others had died, but it's here that he would be preserved. Their faith, overcoming the fear of the king and his edict and trusting in the protection and preservation of God. And we see that if you are a parent, if you've been a parent, if you're going to be a parent, we'll likely never see this situation, right? But we can learn from it. We can learn from it. See, we can keep our kids from danger for a time. We can hide them away for a time, but we can't hide them forever. We can, like she did, do what we can do. We have some natural means available to us. She's like, I'm going to hide him in my home. I'm going to keep him in my home as long as I can until she couldn't anymore. And then she didn't just chuck him in the water and go, Lord, I guess you'll teach him how to swim. I don't know what you're going to do. Right. She had a basket. She covered it with pitch. She had some natural means available to her. But then by faith, she trusted God. Placing him in or even near the water where all others had drowned. God was going to preserve him by faith. And that's what we can learn as parents. We do what we can do and we reach a point where we have to trust God to do what only he can do. I can't keep you hidden in the house forever. I have to let you go out under the protection and the preservation of the Lord where he takes care of you after you are far outside my reach. Amen. Where all others... Had drowned Moses, God will preserve you by faith. Look at what happened. She placed him among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Verse 4 Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent a slave girl who took it, opened it and saw him, the child. And there he was, a little boy crying. She felt sorry for him and said, this is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse this boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse him for me and I'll pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. And when he grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Just this amazing story of God's provision. And we're going to talk more about Moses next week and what God was leading him into. But you have Moses, this infant placed on the brink, the bank of the river where many like him had come to die. And we can see in that a type of our salvation. Because the wages of sin, which we're all born into, is Death. It all ends up at the water. We have no escape. The wages of sin is death. We who are breakers of God's law, we know that this penalty will be enforced. It would be at the water that our hope would fall and our fate would be sealed because we have no answer, right? And here is where the gospel is preached. Here's where the gospel is preached. The same gospel that was preached to Abraham when he laid Isaac on the altar. Isaac, who thought his life was forfeit because of his sin, because they had no answer, he said, where's the the lamb for the sacrifice? What did Abraham say? The Lord... Will provide. It's a similar message here for Moses. The Lord will provide. Life comes to us through death, through the death of Jesus Christ. Moses was placed in the place of death, he was secured though. Just like we are in Christ, that ark thought that we talked about in uh, earlier in Genesis with Noah, when he built the ark to preserve life, even though we're in the place of death, we're secured. Because Christ went down to the very bottom of death for us and like Moses, he was drawn back out. Moses went up to the very brink of death, but was drawn back out. Christ went down to the very bottom of death and rose again for our salvation, our atonement. The Lord will provide. As Moses was brought out of the place of death, Christ rose and we rose with him, Ephesians says. And just like Moses was pulled out of the water Drawn out to be a deliverer. Christ rose from the dead to be our deliverer. Moses was drawn out to live in the palace of the king. And he was named one who was drawn out of the water. The Lord will provide Christ rose to the palace where he invites us to come and live with him forever. Whosoever would Believe By faith, they hid the child, seeing that he was beautiful, and they did not fear the king's edict. So we see the gospel there. It's our gospel hope that we come to, we come as far as we can go. Moses' family brought him as far as he could go, and all it was was just to the brink of death. God had to do something. We born in our sin. We can go as far as we can go. And yet we end up facing death. We need him to preserve and to provide. And he does so on our behalf. Christ became like us so that we could become like him so that he could endure for us what we couldn't deal with, what we had no answer for. So that by faith... The promise might be according to grace, so that it's eligible for all of us, each and every one. And so, I'd encourage you today, as we as we get ready to close and finish, don't fear the water's edge. Moses was left at the place where others died, yet he was preserved. Why? By faith. You will. Encounter situations, endure situations, overcome situations where others have died, where others drown. But you will be in those preserved and drawn out by faith. Don't fear the water's edge. Fear the Lord. And by faith, see what the beauty really is. We'll talk next week. It says he didn't count Life in Pharaoh's court and life at the highest end of Egypt. Something that he should hang on to. That life would, for him would have been a life of sin. God reordered what beauty was to him so that he could see things differently. Listen, the Lord will provide. Well, I've been hanging on to this and I don't know what's going to happen. The Lord will provide. Provide. Well, it's been too much that the Lord will provide. Amen. Amen. It was by faith that they hid him, treasured him because they saw his beauty and they did not fear the king's edict. Listen, when things line up, we'll, we'll, we'll follow along. Here we go. But when there's a contradiction, we serve a higher king. We serve a higher king and we'll ride with him. Even if it means dealing with difficult situations, we can do so by faith. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony of Moses. Thank you for his parents. Thank you for the faith that they demonstrated. That was by faith they saw beauty in that child. It's by faith that we see beauty in the Savior. Lord, they hid him away, treasured him. Lord, it's by faith that we hold you close to our hearts. And Lord, it was by faith that they were able to not be afraid of the king's edict. If the whole world were to come against us, if you be before us, who can overtake us? What can man do to me. You said, don't fear man who can just kill the body. Fear the Lord, who is greater than all. Now, Father, I thank you for the gospel promise that we see in the even in the early life of Moses. We had that Nile River hanging over our head, a sure and certain death with no hope of escape, no hope of rescue. But you provided. You went down to the very depths of what we're most afraid of. We're most afraid of dying above everything else. And you went down to the depths of what we are the most afraid of. To defeat it and came all the way back to prove to us that you were greater. That your sacrifice for us was sufficient so that we could believe you when you said. Whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We've seen the water but we've also seen the Savior. And I thank you, Lord, that our hearts respond in faith. When we hear your truth go forth, we couldn't believe it before we heard it, but we believe it now. And it's by your grace that we stand, not anything that we did to merit in ourselves. Moses was a babe without strength. And yet you saved him. And Romans tells us that when we were without strength, Christ died for us. When we were weak, when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, Christ died for us. That you drew us out of the water, which was certainly going to kill us. Into your kingdom, your palace. We thank you that you always provide. That we're not like those that draw back And are destroyed. We're not like those that depend on ourselves and live in fear, but we are like those that have faith in our sake. And I thank you for that peace that you keep us in. All we did was call on your name. And you have saved us, secured us, you're sanctifying us by your great grace. And I thank you for the life that we enjoy that starts with you now and lasts forever eternity Lord as we get ready to go I thank you that we go with you in mind that we leave from here in the unity of the faith Lord I pray over those who aren't able to be here with us today if they're sick or weak in their body that you heal them strengthen them bring them gird them up that they'd rise up to worship you tomorrow Lord those that are away if they're traveling Lord give them that mercy and grace to come safely back to us and favor as they go. Lord, those that are working, that they do so as unto you, to your glory and the good of those around them. Thank you that you are the one that gives us the ability to be successful. And we'll always honor you with it. And Lord, for everything that we've got coming up this week, including our outreach that we're doing, I thank you that you would be Lord of it. Lord, I thank you that you will meet the need. We can cook a meal, Lord, but you can touch the heart. And I thank you that this act done in faith on our part, Lord, you'll use it in a way that we couldn't ever use it. That you'll cause it to bring about something we couldn't ever cause it to bring about, which is hope and peace and joy in the hearts of men and women as they serve our community. I thank you, Lord, that they'll know that we love them and we love them because you love them and that they'll be encouraged. And God, as we go through this week, we bind the spirit of fear, the spirit of faith to act and to see. In Jesus' name, amen.